Blog Talk Radio. about that and and I just you know I'm just grateful and thankful as always to be in the land of the living I'm so so grateful and thankful that you have taken this time and this opportunity to join us on the It's Real Radio talk show I am your host Elder Quaylek James and sitting with me is my beautiful co-host Miss Tanya Roberts and I'm going to let her give her salutations in just a moment, but I just wanted to tell everybody hello and thank God that you are yet in the land of the living hearing our voice on today. I believe we have a powerful show for you today, and I believe some of you, it will actually liberate you and set you free, so you are in the right place at the right time. I invite you to invite someone call somebody, text somebody, and tell them that It's Real Radio Talk Show is live and on the air and that they need to tune in. If you're on Facebook, share it, whatever, but gather up your friends and foes, for that matter, and tell them to tune in to the It's Real Radio Talk Show. So hallelujah. Hey, Tanya, how are you today? I am awesome, but first... Let's just praise God and thank God for another day. And happy birthday Amen. month to you, Elder. <laughs> you have been blessed. You look good. Amen. I've seen all your pictures on Facebook and Amen. the family. And it just allows me to feel the new harvest that's coming in all of our lives. Yeah. It's about family, yeah. food, friends, yeah. good people in our lives. Don't mm. sell yourself short this year. Encircle yourself mm. around good people, good mm. things. Yes, so the favor yes, of God can come in. And I'm just so excited. Mm. I think my sister again, Elder Corlett, nobody knows, hashtag, my mentor, hashtag, my best friend, hashtag, mm. my best everything to me. They've seen me through the good and the bad. But what you need to know is in order for a new harvest to come, you have to put yourself in a position that harvest can be there. You know, whatever you got to do. Feel good about you, yourself, and the things around you. Elder, you just touched my soul with the pictures. You made me realize I'm so grateful that I know you and my family and my niece and my Mm. everything to be a part of my life, and I'm so grateful. I love you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Girl, you know what? We don't do family gatherings enough. I'm a full believer of that. We really, I mean, and maybe some of you guys do. Maybe you have the traditional, like, mama's family or or soul food or whatever, where you come together every Sunday and break bread with the whole family or whatever. But but I'm going to speak from my family. We don't do that enough. And it was such a blessing last night to come together and and have dinner and, and enjoy one another. It was a fun time. We went to a brand new restaurant that none of us had ever been to before. We experienced cooking our own food <laughs> like right there within the table. 
Um, so it was like it was really, really cool. I made s'mores for the first time in my 62 years on this planet. I had never just went out and roasted marshmallows and put them together with chocolate and graham crackers. Of course, I knew what s'mores were, but I had never done it myself. So that was really kind of cool for me, too. Um, but you know what? Like I said, Pam, it, it was such a wonderful time of fellowship. And at the end of the night, all I kept thinking about was, we don't do this enough. We don't come together and laugh and have a good time. Unfortunately, the majority of the time when families come together is because someone has passed, someone has died, and, and so then the family gathers to say their goodbyes. But in the, in the time frame that we're all in the land of the living, you know the saying that says, give me my flowers while I yet, yet live. I think that as a family, we need to come together more often. I know this past Christmas, I was able, because I was still in Atlanta at the time, to drive up to Augusta and spend Christmas with you. I mean, it wasn't like a big family reunion, but just for us to be able to fellowship for the whole day was incredible to me. It was a really special time oh because God. we don't get together I was so that blessed often. By that you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. It's about the moment and experience. Please, everybody, understand yeah. this. It's about, you know, when I watched you on Facebook and your family, your baby laughing and the children laughing and everybody mm-hmm. is enjoying everybody. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's not about what happened long time ago or what could have stopped mm-hmm. this from being like this. And you didn't call me on mm-hmm. the phone and I'm mad at you. It's about, man, right. this is a moment. Let's celebrate. Celebrate the yeah. moment, the time that we have on this earth. People, we act yeah. like we got it really going on, like life is going to last forever. And it's not. Mm. It's going to come a time where your time, where it's time your time is up. So why wouldn't yeah. you enjoy? Why wouldn't you love? Why wouldn't you care? Mm. Why wouldn't you worship? Mm. Don't you know that mm. in that laughter, in that crying, in that excitement, in that being, that that's worship? You're saying to God, mm. what you have blessed me with mm. is more Amen. than I deserve and more Amen. than what I need. Man, I, I can't even obtain your blessings. No, it's not a lot of money. Mm. No, it's not a lot of everybody that sits on the seat of the hierarchy. We don't care about all that. That's what I'm telling no. people right now. It's about love. Love the people that's in your circle. Love the people that's in your life. Wake up with a refresher. I ain't going to tell you you ain't going to be down because you will. I'm not telling you you're not going to be mad, sometimes upset, because you will. That's what life brings. But find that moment. Just like Elder Collette did. Please watch it on Facebook. You think I am uh, I'm not playing with you. I was so excited. I was like, I'm so glad to call this my family. This is what we need, mm. more gathering together. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much. It's not a matter. It don't cost a lot to do anything. We think mm-hmm. it costs so much, mm-hmm. but it comes from your heart and where it's in your soul. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Right. And, and you know what, Elder? Happy right. birthday month again. New beginnings, new prosperity, yeah. new blessings. And as you told me last Thank week you. when you went in the shut-in, happy harvest. Because the harvest is going to come. And I want to be in that number when it does. I love you, sir. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. I love you, too. I do, I do. So we have an interesting topic today. (laughs) And it wasn't family. But nevertheless, you know what? It can affect family. It can definitely affect family because there are leaders even in families. There are leaders um, in our nation. But we want to talk about um, leadership as it pertains to leading and guiding people's lives, leadership in um, the church, or even more so because we have been dealing in the vein of influence, your leadership qualities and skills as an influencer in the life of other people. So our topic today is the problem of legalism leadership. The problem of legalism in leadership. Now, I, I just kind of, you know, kind of glanced through the um, the internet dealing with legalism because God God actually gave me that topic early this morning in our solid foundation class. And so, in between um, services and different things, I text my sister and said, "That's our topic for today." You know, legal legalism in leadership, but. 
what really stood out to me was something that I had posted um, a few days ago. I had put up a post, and the post was dealing with um, faith being the currency of heaven. And and I, I I really really love to when you know I get responses where I can speak to um, and hopefully prayerfully encourage someone else to to look at things you know maybe in a in a slightly different manner or to possibly understand something a little bit different from the way they originally understood it and and there trust me there are times when you know people will come to me and say things to me and it causes me to step back and to look and say well you know what I didn't look at it like that or I didn't see it like that so you know it's not just a one-way street it's not just you know I want you to believe what I believe and and that's it. I, that is not my uh, my goal. But I, I think that we're all we can all learn from each other. Even a little child can teach you something because they're number one, brutally brutally honest, <laughs> and number two, they speak from a child's heart. So you know, it's an open heart. It's not a closed heart. It is not a heart. Thank you, Lord. It is not a heart that is steeped in legalism. And that makes a huge difference. That makes a huge difference. So, you know, anyway, this was my post. My post said, faith is the currency of heaven. Do you have enough to set the captives free, see blind eyes open, proclaim the sick healed? We need more faith. Let's go shopping through the word of God or in the word of God. That was my post. And, you know, I mean, because I really believe that and I've been taught that, that faith is the currency of heaven, and it stems from knowing that, you know, you first have to believe that God is before any of the other blessings of God can be available to you. So, you know, if you are going to obtain something from God, okay, we use currency to obtain something. So if we're going to obtain something from God, then our currency in which to do that is our faith. Now, I, um, I, and I bless my brother that, that responded to me. I thank God for him. But it just kind of, when I read his response, I was like, I felt in my spirit, and I don't, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't really know this individual. He just responded to my post. Um, but I felt in my spirit that he came in his response from a place of being either taught or, or experienced the abuse of the quote-unquote faith gospel because people have misquoted it and mistaught it. And I think that's possibly where he was coming from, but nevertheless, so I, I have to read the, the our exchange. It was only a, a one-level exchange, basically. Basically, he put um, his comment, and I responded to it. So I want to read it to you um, just as a way or a segue of going into what I'm talking about with a legalistic mind, okay? His comment was, faith is not the currency of heaven. The blood of Jesus is the currency of heaven. It is the blood that sets captives free. It is through the blood that the sick are healed. We do not need more faith. We need to stay covered in the blood of Jesus. Now, I read that, and I thought, okay, I promise you, when I, my first thought when I read it was that he is coming from a place of being either a talk or just feeling and, and been maybe a victim of the misrepresentation of the gospel of faith, because it has definitely been misrepresented out there. So here was my response to, to the brother. And I said, blessings, my brother. I, I am so very grateful for the blood of Jesus, but I must disagree with you. Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God because we must first believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Before you can accept Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross and embrace all that his shed blood did for us, you must have faith to believe. First, to believe in the existence of God, then to believe that God's love for us was so great that he was willing to send his son to be a sacrifice for our son, our sins in order 
to reconcile us back to himself and then to believe in his resurrection power to know that as we die to ourselves and accept our new life in him, his Holy Spirit is able to reside within us. So you see, it all starts with faith. Your faith to believe God grants you access to all he has for you. And I didn't get a response, which is okay. <laughs> but I'm praying that, you know, it might have at least opened up, you know, some avenues of thought within him and, and some areas where the Holy Spirit could pour into him. Now, the reason that struck me is because legalism will bind you up so that you will not be open to receive from God. I, I don't know any other way to put it. It will literally bind you up to where you're not able to receive from God. You're not able to receive his blessings. Excuse me. You're not able to receive his benefits. You're not able to receive from God because you're walking in a legalistic manner. Um, and, and what that means, hold on, because I've got, so many different little things going on here dealing with legalism because I really wanted to get into this thing because I want to see us set free. I really, really want to see us set free. So think about legalism. What is legalism? It is the strict adherence or the principle of strict adherence to law or prescription, especially to the letter rather than the spirit. So in other words, legalism ties you into the letter of the law, not into the spirit in which the law was given. And there is a difference. The, I, when I started looking at this, what I did not know was that there was actually um, somewhat of a religious set called legalism that transpired or was around in China um, in the 500 B.C. era, okay, and there was um, a dynasty that ruled during that time, and their whole mindset was legalism, and that is what they promoted, that is what they lived by, and the key was is that they believed order above society. They, it was like, as far as they were concerned, I don't care what the society needed, it did not come into play when it came to order, at all costs, that was their, their motto, that order had to be kept at all costs. Now, we know God is a, a God of decency and order. So I'm not taking away from, from order being very, very, um, very, very important. However, when you get into that mindset during this time that that dynasty was in power, it was a very bloody time. It was a very war warfare type of time because they did not take into the consideration of what the needs of the people were. All they considered was order. And if you did not walk in straight adherence to what they felt was the law, then you would be killed, okay? And, and it's just like, okay, there's something wrong with this picture because there's always um, a couple of sides to situations, you know. Things are normally, I mean, a lot of things are black and white, but there are a lot of things, especially in society or in the letter of the law, that have gray areas. And if it's just black and white and it's just about the letter of the law and not taking into consideration the needs of the people, then you've got a problem. When leaders do this, then people are sacrificed, and, and that's just what was dropped in my spirit. When you have a legalistic leader, then your people will be sacrificed because you will not meet the needs of the people because you're too busy carrying out the letter of the law. You forget that your employees are people. They're human beings with lives and struggles and issues, and all they are to you is a number or a body to sit behind a screen. And if they're not doing what you need them to do at that moment, you write them off because I need you to follow the letter of the law. Not that, well, okay, I have a situation that has come up and it can be either way. Well, what does it say? What did I tell you? You know, that's what it's got to be. And you won't even hear what that individual is trying to express to you about the situation that's at hand. Now, I got biblical backup for this. <laughs> I got biblical backup for this. Think about Jesus. 
in the synagogue, and this is recorded twice, two different situations, but it was recorded twice, where Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees and Sadducees, the hypocrites of the religious set at that time, came against him because it was the Sabbath. And his response was priceless as far as I'm concerned and was also a valuable lesson to teach us why law is important, it does not trump the human needs, okay? We're going to start with when he healed a woman that had been bowed over for 18 years. I'm going to read this out of you. And I know normally in, in our, our uh, broadcast, we don't read a lot of scriptures, but I just really feel that we need to break this down so that you really get an understanding, so that if you are caught up in legalism, you can be set free. Amen? So Luke 13, the 10th through the 17th, Verse. I'm going to read it out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible because that was the, the version that popped up when I did the search for it. Anyway, it says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. A woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her, woman, you are free of your disability. Then he laid his hands on her, and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. But the leader of the synagogue, now here is, here we go. This is where I want you to see how dangerous it is as a leader to be legalistic, okay? But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, there are six days when work should be done. Therefore, come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath, okay? But the Lord answered him and said, hypocrite. Doesn't each of you untie your ox or donkey from the feeding trough on the Sabbath and lead it to water? Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham, for 18 years. Shouldn't she be untied from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he had said these things, all of his adversaries were humiliated, but the whole crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things he was doing. Second account of when he healed on the Sabbath. This one is in Mark, the third chapter, the first through the sixth verse, the New International Version. It says, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn heart, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. You see what I'm saying? It is dangerous. When you have people in leadership that are so legalistic that they cannot differentiate what is good from evil, what is of God and what is of the devil, that is a sad scenario. But unfortunately, it is the place in which we find ourselves on many occasions in many quote-unquote houses of God. Because the leaders are so steeped in tradition and legalism that they want to hold you to the fire, okay? But they don't take the time to love you through, to understand the grace and the mercy that God has granted unto you, to walk it out with you while you're coming into your own personal relationship with God. How many times, and Tam, I know you remember this, where you had the mothers of the church standing at the front door, and if the lady still showed up and her dress was a little too short, 
or the man showed up and he might not have smelled like wine, like roses, that they stopped him at the door. No, baby, you got to go dress differently. You got to put something else on. No, sir, you can't come in here like that. You're a vagrant. You smell like alcohol. Stop them at the door. Would not let them in to come in and to receive the healing, delivering, set free power of God in their lives because of Amen. their outward appearance. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Amen. I mean, Amen. I, Amen. I'm like overwhelmed right now. Hearing you, what you're saying. I shut up because I had to hear you. Really what you were saying. And, you know, get closer. Get back to your phone, Tam. You're fading out for me. I can't hear you. Now I can. Go ahead. What I was saying was when you were speaking, it made me really see. We get so caught up in ourselves and the way we think that the church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And you need to mm-hmm. listen to the voice mm-hmm. of God because many are called and few are chosen. And another mm-hmm. thing you said to me while you were speaking, Elder, the harvest is much, but the laborers are few. Mm. We're so caught up yes. in trying to be ourselves and try to keep it churchy. When we're sinful ourselves, we all struggle mm. with something, whether it's a pastor, a mm-hmm. choir member, a usher, or a deacon. We used to hold them to high standards, not knowing that they were still pedophiles and different things that were going on in our lives. But you have to trust God, pray for those, love those Mm -hmm. that you don't even believe need to be loved. And we need to care for those. At the same time, God teaches us to use wisdom. At the Mm -hmm. same time, Elder, Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. We're so caught up in saying the way you should not come to church. But those are the ones that are coming through the door saying, help me. I need to be free. Help me. I need to be saved. Help me. Because I'm lost and I don't know which way to go. See, I was in the church. And then I was no longer in the church. And I realized that I'm getting no back. Church don't receive like they You're fading away again, sis. Can you hear me? Okay, now I can. Yep. Phil, you need to be that one that's in the church. That one that needs to be the one singing in a choir. On the worship board mm-hmm. or the deacon board or whatever way it is. And you got best. What my sister is saying is, come. He said, come. Mm-hmm. Many are called, but few are chosen. Come to him. Yeah. And everything that you're going through, he can work it out for you. While you were speaking, yes. this, my spirit said, people don't want to hear the truth. They come on mm. church and God, do money. Let me tell you about how you get prosperity or a husband or wife or life is going to be good. I'm not telling you to take it off. Faded away, sis, again. I'm not sure. Are you in a bad place? Because you keep coming in and out. Can you hear me? Now can you hear I can me? Hear you. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Now I can. What we need to know is that God is. He's the same God before and forevermore. Mm-hmm. You don't have mm-hmm. to be perfect to come to him. Don't get stuck mm-hmm. in what people telling you should be to come to Christ. Come dirty. Come the way you are. Yeah. He doesn't care mm-hmm. about your sins. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care about what happened to you. He does, but he doesn't. He will save you Amen. in the point of where yes. you are. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well said. Well said. You know, um, it's important. It's important to understand the grace and the mercy of God. It is equally important in a leadership role, if our leadership capacity is your bent in life, that you see the the need of the people over and above the legalistic letter of the law, okay? And that you don't get caught up in cocky in, in what you do because you feel like, you know, you are so, you're all that in a bag of chips because you follow the letter of the law. There is um, 
a denomination out there. I'm not going to mention the name, but because they keep the Sabbath, um, they, let me put it this way, all of them that I have met, <laughs> and this is the honest to God truth, and I've met a few of them, um, from various different parts of the United States, not the world, but from very different, very different parts of the United States, they have this air about themselves where they think they're superior because they worship on Saturday, because they honor the Sabbath. And I'm like, that does not give you superiority, you know, because you honor the Sabbath. If anything, it should make you more humble and more available to teach people the importance of the Sabbath without puffing yourself up. But the word of God said, let no man judge you in what day you worship. That's the word. So how are you judging someone? The wife says, in what you eat, what you wear, what day you worship, let no man judge you in these things. So why are you pumping yourself up like you are so righteous and more than any and everybody else when you are passing judgment on your quote-unquote brothers and sisters um, because you feel you're more superior because you go to church on Saturday instead of Sunday. There's something wrong with that. I firmly believe in, in the Sabbath. I really, really do. Um, but I also believe the word of God, okay, which is why I believe in the Sabbath, but I believe the word of God, which says, don't let any man hold this to your charge. Because for me, I worship God every day, okay? Um, and, and I may not get a rest day every week. I, I'm just being honest because I have so many things going on and there's always something to do. You know, every once in a while, I will just take a day and just it'll be a down day. And all I want to do is lay in my bed and, you know, sometimes just be in that place in that presence of God. Other times I just may want to veg out and just watch movies all day. Whatever, because I just need a down day. I need to let my brain rest for a minute, you know. But the bottom line is if we get caught up in legalism that, you know, we start to judge people on things that we shouldn't be judging them on. We, we, there is enough. There is enough for us to judge ourselves on things that we need not be doing, or we need to be doing better, or we need to be doing more of. Okay, we have enough just in our own interreflection of ourselves to account for to not be pointing a finger and looking down at other people. Seriously. I mean, that's just truth, <laughs> okay? That's just true. But as a leader, as a leader, you've got to be mindful of the people that you're leading. You have got to be mindful. As a person that has been in a supervisory position on jobs for a very long time, put it that way, you know, I have learned that, you know, to judge people by who they are. I, I was sharing this with somebody last year that I had hired and who felt herself um, I guess kind of a little above some of the people in our office because those people didn't have college degrees and those people um, did not articulate quite like she did. And, and she was from corporate world in, in New York. And so she had this corporate mentality and whatever. And like I told her, I said, you know what? You have to learn to meet people where they're at. And when you meet a person where they're at, then you, you enhance and build on their weaknesses. You help them bring their weaknesses up, and you help them solidify and strengthen even the more their strengths. But you never, ever look down or talk down to somebody because you feel like you're superior. And, and I mean, if you want to get a rise out of me on a JLB, just try that one, <laughs> okay? Seriously, because I can't stand that. You know, everybody does not come from the same social, economical um, background as others. A lot of people, again, some didn't even finish high school. And a whole lot of people out there that you will come into contact with never went to college. Some of them never, ever lived outside of the project. And others may have a penthouse in the Taj Mahal somewhere. You know what I'm saying? They may have doctorates, multiple doctorates, and they, all of that as far as education is concerned. But that does not make one person better 
than the other person. And if you're going to be a person of influence, if you're going to be a person of leadership, then you've got to come to terms with who said are you leading in? Because if God has elevated you to a place of authority, he expects you to reflect him. He expects you to treat those that you are supervising, those that you may have a higher ranking on that job that does not give you a higher ranking in life, but a higher ranking in an order, the, the organizational chart and hierarchy of that particular workplace, because you may have a higher ranking there, you are never, ever to look down on a subordinate, ever. That is not who you should be, and it is absolutely not why God allowed you to be promoted to that place of leadership. You, you've got to get that in your mind. You've got to get that in your mind. And I know Tanya can speak to that because you too have been in a place of managerial positions and leadership and how important it is to understand that people are just that, that they are people. And you've got to take those different situations and scenarios into account when you're dealing with that person. Now, there are times when things will be beyond your control and it'll just be like, you know what, I'm going to have to let you go. Uh, because of your circumstances you may be currently in has affected your work ability to the point of you're never here or your your thought pattern is such that you're so worried about everything else going on in your life that I can't trust you to handle important tasks here on this job. Things like that do come into play. But even in that, even in, in having to, to carry out your managerial duties and letting a person go, you still want to build that person up. You still, you never want to tear somebody down and leave them down. You've got to point out flaws into a person. You always, I, I will point out, I will start off with, with a praise. Get to your flaws and then build you back up from your flaws. That is my process if I have to meet with an employee because there's something wrong. Because I never want to leave a person down. I never want them to leave, want to leave them in that position because you don't know. A lot of times you don't know what's going on with that person. And they could be under so much pressure that they're at the point of suicide because they're just ready to throw in the town. And if you pounce on them, and that's all you do is just pounce on them and tell them how bad they are, that's all you can do is talk about how bad they are, then you could be that catalyst to push them over the edge. You never want to be that one. You never want to be that one. So even in correction, you still need to build a person up. My word teaches me that because God loves me, he will chasten me. He will chastise me. He will let me know when I am wrong. And at the same time, tell me that I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And I am in his image and a reflection of who he is. So that I may have a bad situation that I'm involved in, but he has faith in me to pull myself up out of that by trusting in him and his way of doing things to not just tell me, girl, I got to say this, I, I promise you, because I've been getting more and more people that um, now that Messenger lets you just kind of send out instant messages all the time. I keep getting these messages about going to hell and people being damned and, you know, and how that, 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 that everything is centered around negativity. Everything is centered around you going to hell if you don't get it right. Please hear me. I believe hell exists. Yes, I do. Okay. And I do believe you need to get it right. But if all you're ever telling me is that I'm going to hell if I don't get it right, and you're never coming in and telling me about the grace of God and how much God loves me and how much I, he thought I was worthy to die for so that I could be reconciled back unto him. If you never build me back up and tell me what my value is, and all I hear over and over and over again is I'm going to hell if I don't get it together. After a while, you just throw up your hands and you just figure, I can't get this together. I can't do this. So I'm just going to hell. I mean, am I speaking truth, Sam, seriously? Because I know you can relate to what I'm saying. 
You know what, Elder? I can. Okay. I get exactly everything you're saying to me. And it's it's amazing. Stop getting stuck in what you think is tradition. I believe that's what legalism is. Tradition. The way we think it's supposed to be. But if you seek a relationship with God, he can tell you the way that it is. And then you won't get so mm. caught up in judging people or looking down at people like you're better than. We're not any of us mm. are better than. When he calls yes, you to become a minister or an elder or usher or a speaker or a choir member, that is a high calling. Don't take it don't take it like it's nothing. It's something. Because in all that, you're ministering, and you're either setting the captives free or you're holding them in bondage. Who are you today when they look at your life? Are you holding them in bondage? Are you sitting there and holding them captive? Do they look at you and say, I can't look at you because who you are in Christ, you make me feel like that's all he is, is a person that's in bondage. But he said who he has made free, he is free indeed. You yeah. have problems, we have issues, we all suffer. We all come short at the throne of glory and his mercy. But we thank him for who he is. He forgives, but you mm-hmm. got to keep it real. You can't fake the mm-hmm. funk with anybody. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm a wretch undone. I can go right now on this show and tell you all the things that I still have issues with. But he is Lord, and he is master, and he's God. What do yeah, you believe in? Yeah. You can believe in whatever you want mm. to. But guess what? Whether you Muslim, Seven Day Adventist, um, 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 Jehovah Witness, Christian, whatever you are, who are you really? What are you really deep mm. within? It doesn't matter who you belong to. But who are you deep within? What do you practice? What do you preach? And if you do, you need to let everybody know out there. I don't care who you are. You can be Mormon. You're not perfect. Everybody has issues. Everybody needs to be set free. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I got to make one little correction of what you just said. It does matter who you belong to, okay? It does matter because who you belong to will make all the difference in the world because if you have embraced your creator as Lord God Almighty and recognize and understand and have faith to believe that you were created in his image and in his likeness to reflect his nature, then his nature is love. Now, again, he is a loving father, and he will chasten, and he will set you straight, okay? And and you don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. You don't want to do that. And I believe, this is me, this is Quaylet saying this, I believe that when you look down on God's child, because that very one you're looking down on and pumping yourself up to feel like you all that in a bag of chips, that's his child too. I never forget a situation that happened when my kids were teenagers and my son and daughter, they were bumping heads. They were bumping heads left and right during this period of time in their lives. Um, and you have to understand, they're only a year and two months apart. <laughs> so so it was almost like raising twins. Um, and my son is the elder, you know, but my daughter is the more mature. <laughs> so it, yes, it would happen. But anyway, so, you know, with my son, I was always fighting battles. And, you know, because we grew up in, quote, unquote, the hood. And, you know, them little hoodlums in the street. And I was that, that she-lying mother, you know. So you come at my child sideways and you got to deal with me. I'm sorry. That was just me. But anyway, so something happened and, and Coy did something to Simone. I don't even remember the whole scenario of what transpired, except when it came to this part, I was over at a friend's house. Simone called me, told me where they came down and I came home. And I remember calling my son in the bathroom and I remember looking at him and I said, you know, cause he was so used to um, me taking up for him and whatever. I looked at him and I said, Coy, you know how I'll go out and I'll actually walk the streets looking for people if they did something to you. He's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, you know, and he was about 17 years old at the time, 17, 18 years old. And Simone was like 16, 17, something like that. So he's like, yeah, you know, and it, you could see him square up his shoulders. Like, yeah, my mama like that. She take care of me. Right. And I looked at him. I said, let me tell you something. 
that little girl in there, that's my child too. Now do something to her and watch me hurt you. His eyes got big as saucers. They did, because it was like, oh, okay. I see God in that same manner where, God, you will protect me to the bitter end. You will cover me. You will groom me. You will, do, you will provide for me. You will do all these things for me because I am your child. God forbid that I come against another one of your children because that's your child too, and I'm in the wrong. Okay? I see Daddy, God, going, do you not realize that's my child too? And I think we forget that, Tanya. Some of, the, some of the prayers we pray, some of the things we desire to happen to people and whatever, you forget, like, no, no, please don't do that. Don't put your mouth on them. Please don't look down on them. Please don't do that. Because that's God's child, too. As much as he loves you, guess what? He loves them. They may not be right right now, but neither are you if you're coming down on them. You know, I try, I've always taught my children and my grandchildren, make somebody come up to your level. You don't stoop down to somebody's level. You make them come up to yours, which means that if someone is belittling you and talking down to you and treating you in a bad manner, you don't stoop down to do the same thing to them. You make them come up by continuing to treat them with dignity and respect and with honor, no matter how they're coming at you. Now, please hear me, and, and you know, I'm going to keep it real. You know, you know that, uh, I've not gotten to that turn of the cheek part real, real good yet. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'm not telling you to let somebody come in your face and beat you down or just you just be a doormat for somebody, or if you're in an abusive relationship that you just stay there and be abused. Please hear me, because I am not saying that, and anybody know me know me better than that, Okay. But what I am saying is I'm not going to do to you the same thing you're doing to me when it's hurting me. Why would I in turn do it back to you to hurt you? That's what I'm saying. You know, I want to, to lead by example. This is what we're talking about, leadership. I want to lead by example. So I want to understand the spirit of the law even greater than I understand the letter of the law. Do I need to know the letter of the law? I do. I, I actually do need to know that. But I don't allow that to trump the experience of humanality, okay? I, I can't be so, so staunch at the letter of the law that I forget we are human beings with flaws. You got flaws. I got flaws. Everybody got flaws. As they say, everybody, everybody got flaws, okay? We all do. We all miss the mark. We all disappoint. You know, we have all said something we shouldn't have. None of us can say we have lived the perfect exemplary life. Are we striving toward perfection? We are. Why are we doing that? So that we can even please our Father the more. Because he said, be ye perfect, for I am perfect. Be ye, no, he didn't. I'm sorry. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. So we're striving toward the perfection of holiness. We're striving toward that place of let it be more and more of you, God, less and less of me. Because I want to reflect your nature. I want to reflect your glory. I, he, his word decrees and declares, and he has proven it in your life. That with loving kindness has he drawn you. He drew you into himself because of his love and his kindness towards you. He expects you to reflect that same love and kindness into the lives of others, even those that appear to be unlovable. Those I, I, I used to wonder why people that seemed to be drawn to me were the people that talked about me the worst, the people that um, always seemed to try to make it hard for me, you know, but they always seemed to be so drawn to me. They hung on my every word. If they had issues, they were in my office sitting down, pouring out their hearts. And a lot of times, I'm going to be honest, I'm sitting there going, Lord, why is this person in my face? I already know they don't like me. Why are they sitting here right now? This was a conversation going on in my mind, but God was saying, because you're reflecting me. 
and they're being drawn to the me in you. They're not being drawn to you. They're being drawn to the me that's in you. So we have to understand that, and we have to carry ourselves in such a manner that we reflect God, that we reflect the goodness of God, that we reflect the gentle nature of God. Now, he has a, a wrathful nature, too, as, yeah, as we know, um, as we've read and some have experienced. But more likely, he wants to love us. He loves us into submission. He doesn't beat us into submission. It is because of his love for us, his care for us, his genuine affection to us, okay, that we want to submit unto him. The more he loves us, the more we're able to give of ourselves to him because of his love. It's like that in relationships, husband-wise relationships. I know a whole lot of women that when it comes to that submit part, <laughs> it's like, no, nah, no. Nah. You know, and I've shared my testimony prior to getting married when I was out there in the world. My motto was submit to a man. I don't think so, okay? Like, oh, you got to be crazy. Seriously, why? Because I have been hurt. I have been hurt deeply. And because I've been hurt deeply, I have rebelled against that giving of myself to an individual to allow them to have any kind of control in my life and especially over my heart. So my heart hardens because of that. As leaders, don't allow your heart to harden. I know you've walked through some things. I know you've been through some things. I know people have come against you. People have tried to put their foot on you. People have tried to hold you down instead of build you up. But don't allow that to be how you treat other people. Keep in mind how you felt when it was being done to you. So don't do it to someone else. Don't get caught up in that. You know, remember, promotion that comes from God. I've told the story on the second time Barack Obama ran for presidency. The first time I voted for him freely because I thought he was the right man for the job. By that second time when it rolled around, it was like, God, I got an issue here, okay? I got an issue here because his policies are not my policies. Some are, but a lot of them aren't. Okay, so how do I do this? You know, you need to lead me in this. And God was very clear to me. He said, I hardened Pharaoh's heart. And it was like, (laughs) I hardened Pharaoh's heart to show my my glory, to show forth my glory. Okay. So that very one that is coming against you, that you feel that because of their um how they how they react to you or or what their actions are concerning you that you know you want to come back at them or as as the kids today say you want to clap back <laughs> okay don't do it don't do it let let yourself be a conduit for the love and the grace of God to flow through you. Grow through it. Don't just go through it. Grow through it. Allow God to grow you up in the midst of it. Allow God to show himself so strong and so mighty on your behalf that in spite of what that individual is trying to do in your life, promotion comes unto you. Because remember, it does not come from the north, south, east, the west. It comes strictly from God. It comes strictly from God. So as a leader, as a leader, I am encouraging you and admonishing you to make sure that you don't walk in that place of legalism, in that place of tradition. If you're in the church, don't walk in that place of traditionalism. Let me tell you, when you get started breaking out of legalism in a church, you're going to make some enemies. People are going to be offended. Actually, they may even put you out of the church. Because they're going to say that you're speaking and preaching heresy. Why? Because they're so caught up in their traditions and in their legalistic lives that they are not open to receive what God is doing in your life. But don't forget Jesus. Don't forget how they came against him. I read you two scriptures in the beginning of this dissertation to, to show you you know, how the Pharisees and the Sadducees came against God, came against God himself, okay? They came against Christ for healing on the Sabbath. Now, that had to be legalistic to the nth degree. For making a woman better, for straightening out a withered hand, and you're going to come against me for doing good? 
you know, that's when you get like old shouting John to be like, hold my mule, because I'm getting ready to shout all over this field. I'm not going to let you quench who I am in God. And let me say this, ladies, okay, let me say this. Same thing pertains to you because you have had a foot on your neck all your life because you are of the female persuasion. Do not allow the feminist movement to take you out of the will of God. Do not allow yourself to get so huffed up and puffed up because you've been called of God to do his bidding that you start looking down on men. I'm um, Apostle B. Dwayne Harding. He was my apostle when I live in, in Atlanta. I go to his church. And he was on it. He was talking the other night. And I was following it, and, and he was talking about this was the hour of the women. He, he literally was going into that. He said, God is raising up women, strong, godly women. And men, if we don't, don't see that and, and fall in line with that, then we're going to miss something important in the move of God. Now, that was phenomenal coming from a man. I typed, and I said, yes, he is raising up strong women to walk alongside of our strong men. And he was like, absolutely correct. Now, I know most men would not have expected that because most of the women that was online that night was like, yes, yes, you know, it's about the women, da-da-da-da-da. But don't forget, you know, don't don't get so caught up. We, we recognize, we women who are in ministry, who are in leadership roles in ministry, See what God is doing. He is opening up doors like you would not believe. And he is elevating us. We do not have to elevate ourselves. He is elevating us into places of prominence, okay, in places of influence. But it is not for us, ladies, to get beside ourselves and get the big head and start puffing up our chest. It is for us to understand our place next to our strong men. It is not to trample over our men. It's not to put them down because they put us down for so long, but it is to come alongside of them and walk in agreement. How can two be unified unless they first be in agreement? This is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. It is not a competitive body. It is a body that has to walk in unity with one another. So in your places of influence, in your places of leadership, you've got to understand who you are in that place. So as you set aside legalism, as you set aside that legalistic worldview, remember who you serve. Remember who has put you into that place of authority. Remember his love towards you. And remember he expects you to share that same love with those you come in contact with. I pray that this has been a blessing. We got um, about two minutes left, Pam, so I'm going to let you give your your, um, closing statements and remarks. I just pray that the children of God can hear your voice. It's such a time as this. It's time to believe, time to wake up, time to endure, time to understand. And it's hard, so many teachings. It's so hard when the way we were raised and what we were taught to believe in. And now we're looking at things so much differently. But pray and ask the Lord to say the one who guided you before, the one who's seen you through before the one who endured with you before, the true way, the only way, in Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Well, we thank and praise God um, that you've joined in with us again. Share the broadcast. Share the broadcast. I pray it's been a blessing to you, and I know that there are others that need to hear it and need to be blessed too. If you are in leadership, and I've stepped on your toes at all today, (laughs) I say, let's get it together. Let's turn it around. Let's Let's learn to lead with love. Amen. Learn to lead with love. Allow God to shine through you, be it in the church or on your job. Allow God, or in your home, family unit, 
allow God to lead you, lead you in the dynamics of how to properly give leadership to others. You are that kingdom influencer. Make sure you are influencing others to follow after the love of God. Amen. God bless. I will. We will be with you, Lord willing. Actually, you know what, Tanya? We won't be with them next week because I will be in California or making my way back to Las Vegas. So uh, we will be back with you in two weeks. Lord, say the same. But we thank and praise God for all that um, he is doing in all of our lives. And sis, I love you so very much. Thank you so much for being a part of what we do. It, it, is, it is an amazing, it has been an amazing journey, and I'm looking forward to so, so much more in this journey. Let's keep it real.